What we're going to do next is we're going to talk about Jesus. I couldn't think of a better subject before Christmas because Christmas is all about Jesus. Don't you let anybody try to steal the joy of Christmas away from you and try to tell you, oh, that was a heathen Roman holiday. I heard that. I can't tell you how many people have been hurt and been trying to sell that bill of goods that it was a Roman holiday. Shouldn't have, shouldn't, we don't know when Christ was born. Consequently, you shouldn't rejoice or celebrate the time of his birth. Well, I know he was born. And we're just going to say December 25th, and we're going to celebrate that day. Like if my birthday, you didn't know when my birthday was, you wanted one day of a year, you'd say, well, Bill, we're going to celebrate your birthday today. Okay, let's celebrate today. My birthday does happen to be the 23rd. So I get two cards for every Christmas. Isn't that nice? I, I've always, they, people say, don't you feel bad about having your birthday the 23rd? I, first of all, I had nothing to do with it. I've enjoyed it. It's good. I'm 71 years old. For a while, it's a beautiful thing to get old. It's a beautiful thing. And so I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about one of the more more important things about Christ that you need to understand. I've talked about it and done lots and lots of work at the church. I believe any good preacher will do a lot of work in the area of the deity of Christ. Christ was God. Manifest in the flesh. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. The word Son of God in the Bible is a term for deity. And if you ever doubted whether he is, there's a whole group of people called the Jehovah's Witnesses that one of their main functions is to deny the deity of Christ. Now, really, Jehovah's Witnesses are made up of 20 specific denials. They deny hell being a real place, literal place, and they deny that you uh, that you live after hell, that you're cast into hell, you you are annihilated. There's just twenty denials. That's what they are. They're just a, they're, they're a group of people that are in the denial of the Bible. Well, I wonder who would want to deny the Bible? The devil, the evil one. They were raised up in about the 1850s, sometime if I remember right. In fact, in the 1800s. There were uh, the Mormons were raised up in the 1800s. The Jehovah's Witnesses were raised up in the 1800s. And Seventh-day Adventists were raised up in the 1800s. Three large cults. Cults, meaning, here's what's the definition of a cult. Look it up in the dictionary. A group of people that say, if you don't do it the way we say to do it, you can't be saved. And what we say is, if you, you got to do it according to the Bible, you're saved. You may not do it the way the Baptists say it, or you don't have to have your name Baptist to be saved. You can be saved and be other names and other ways, but you got to do the basic things the Bible requires to be saved. These cults will say, no, you got to do a... By the way, the Roman Catholics are a cult. Basically, I mean, you can be sweet, and you say, well, I thought Roman Catholics say anybody, oh, everybody's going to heaven. No, if you're not Roman Catholic, you're not going to make it. Uh, it's just not going to go. You're not going to go. And people, Seventh-day Adventists try to be sweet and say, well... They say if you worship God on Sunday, it's the mark of the beast, and consequently, if it's the mark of the beast, you're going to go to hell. Well, that's just a fact. I've seen billboards that say that. Mark of the beast is worship on Sunday. Worship on Sunday. And so there's a lot of error out there, so you've got to educate yourself in the Bible to keep from falling prey to that error. If, if, if you don't do anything in, in this coming year, this coming year, look, we've got to... 365 days, if Jesus doesn't rapture us out of here, if you don't die, 
you got 365 days that you haven't touched. They're perfectly white, clean and white, untouched. Now you're going to live one of those days as they come up one at a time, January 1st, all the way to December 31st. And then you're going to, in those days, you're going to have some successes and you're going to have some failures and you're going to have some regrets maybe in those days that you didn't do better if you don't make a plan. Plan to do nothing and you will succeed. If you, ought to, if you don't expect, don't in, expect, don't inspect. If you don't inspect, don't expect. I think that's the way that goes. Set yourself, put yourself under some, put yourself, be hard on yourself. Say, I'm going to read the Bible through this coming year. I'm going to do it. I've never done a preacher. You're going, I'm going to do it. You're going to listen to the Bible. You can listen to it or read it. Some people have a hard time reading. I get it. But you're going to do it. Boy, that'll be good. That'll help you. And this stuff. I, I preach a message on who who is Jesus, and I think I got three or four of them. In fact, different different kind of angles about that. Who is Jesus? But the reason Jesus was crucified was not because he healed people, or he fed the five thousand, or he gave people sight and 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 gave hearing to the deaf. That's not why they crucified Christ. They crucified him for who he said he was. They crucified Christ around this thing of who is he? Muhammad thought he was some sort of deal. He died buried in the grave. And all these other cult leaders that thought they were big shots, they all died and got buried in the grave. Death overcame them. They did not overcome death. There's only one leader of any religion in the world that overcame death or claims to have overcome death, but not just claims it, had over 500 witnesses at one time, saw him alive after death, plus his disciples or apostles, if I may say that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one. He conquered hell, death, the grave, everything. He's the king of kings and lords of lords. So, Matthew 21.10, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, this is the uh, Palm Sunday, they're laying palms down, and there's Ryan crying, Hosanna, and the Pharisees in the city. In fact, it says here in this verse, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And that's what it's all about. If Jesus is who he said he was, then you owe him your life and your eternal life and any sacrifice he may ask you to do is well, well worth it as the Lord of lords and king of kings. So we're going to go through 10. And lots of people have, you're going to bring Hey, girls, thank you for putting that up, those decorations up there. They got in the camera, way the camera. What was that, like, sitting right here? Yeah, I appreciate that, appreciate that. By the way, Jeff Cronin, God bless you. Glad you're watching tonight in Michigan. I hope it snows on you. And, uh, and many other people are watching. I think the Whiffs are watching tonight. I don't see the, the Whiffs here tonight. I don't see them. They were going to be here tonight. They had some reason why they were going to be here. I think they're all flying out. Today they're going up. Flying out, where are you at? Flying out, going back in the busiest time of the year, flying back to uh, Atlanta and to have Christmas up there where it's cold because they like to be able to do a fireplace and drink hot tea. And I'm good with it. Okay. Anyways, the whiffs, you're not watching. And so uh, who is this? We're going to talk about Tenry. There's lots of people. Everybody and his brother has written about the deity of Christ. You can go into many books. We have great books on it here. In the library, you can study it, but be careful. Do not use the internet to get your theological education. 
You need to be careful who you read, that they are time-tested and, and proven to be balanced people. And we know who they are. People are always coming to me and say, hey, I've been listening to this guy on the Internet. You know about him. I say, I don't know about him because I don't listen to him. Beware who you listen to. They could be wacko. By the way, they have no accountability. They have no accountability. But, but the people we give you to read, we know who they are. And they're, we know who, who Ryrie was. We, we know these people that we recommend. And we're, we're, we know their solid interpretation of Scripture. And there are rules for interpretation of the Bible. You don't just take it any way you want. You can't take one verse make a whole doctrine out of it. You have to take first mention, comparative mention, last mention. It's, it's complicated. It's not easy. Some of the people have got to know the scriptures to be able to interpret them, rightly divide the word of truth. So, anyways, we'll give you people on areas you want to know about. You want to know about prophecy? People want to know about prophecy. We got a, the best book ever written, probably, uh, at least in contemporary history, is Things to Come by Dwight D. Pentecost. You want to know about prophecy and get a balanced view of prophecy? Don't listen to the internet, some wacko on there. You have no clue what he's doing, who he's doing, where he's going. He's trying to deceive you, possibly, maybe not. Who knows? Get, get this book. And you can read it. You can find out. You can go back over it. You can mark it. You can make notes on it. You can memorize some of it. You can learn it. And you'll be able to help you out. So who is Jesus? I'm going to give you 10 things to Bible. I think I'm going to do nothing. Nothing's happening because I don't have this on. So here we go. <clears throat> this is going to be a run. So I'm going to go quick. And by the way, everything we do tonight is just a mountaintop. For the sake of time and be able to cover the whole subject comprehensively, in other words, I'm going to cover pretty much the whole comprehensive subject of the deity of Christ in less than 30 minutes. And to do that, I can only give you just the very mountaintop verses. There are many verses that support these verses under what we talk about. Only God could do what Jesus did. It says in there in Matthew 8, 27, but the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and waves and the sea obey him, or winds and waves in another place. When Jesus calmed the sea, it got their attention. It wasn't it you? You people have been out on the water. Okay, you know, you're, you think you're dying. I think we're dying. I've been out on the water a few times when I thought that was it. And, you know, we made it. But these guys, these guys knew, they were fishermen. They knew about this. This wind came down from the north to the south. It's a valley. Sea of Galilee is a valley, basically. And, man, it's deep, and it can, get, it can get deadly rough within just a short period of time. They were halfway out in the middle, it looked like to me, from reading the passage. And this wind comes up, they're taking, and he gets up and rebukes the wind, peace be still. What manner of man? Basically, what they say, who is this? That we've been walking among. This describes the Pharisees in Luke 5.21. Began to reason saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because he had forgiven this again. He said, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. And they said, well, you can't forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. He said, well, which would be easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to rise up and walk. But either one of them, whether it be your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk, only God can do it. That's what he was telling them. And it says to them, and they said again that question, who is this? What manner of man is this? So 10 facts attesting to Christ's deity. Number one, he claimed the power to forgive sins, which we just spoke about. And, they, and when they had sat at meat 
with him began to say within themselves, who is it that forgiveth sins only? Because remember the woman that came in and shed tears upon his feet and washed her hair, took her hair and washed, dried his feet with her hair. And she was really uh, what you would call a shady lady. She was a prostitute, a whore, or whatever you want to call her. She had been immoral. They knew it. Her reputation preceded her. She came in, and she Jesus allowed her to touch him, to cry on his feet, dry his hair, and they said, "What if this man knew? This man knew this woman. He said, your sins be forgiven.' And that's when they said, "This who is this that forgiveth sins only?" Well, Christ had the power to forgive sin, Matthew 9, 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, that he saith the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into the house, which I told you we spoke about before. Those are some examples of him forgiving sin. Men cannot forgive sins, no matter what the Catholics may say. He received worship, number two. That's... Points on the five five things that attest the deity of Christ, he received worship. Now, this is big, and we're just going to touch it. When they were coming to the house, they saw a young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, and these are the wise men, and worshipped him. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take another. This number one commandment. You don't worship any god but the true and living God. You don't worship. That's forbidden by the Ten Commandments, very, very pinnacle of it. When they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wise men. They knew who they were talking. They knew who they had found. Jesus was worshipped often and by many different people, even demons. I could just take the rest of the night and go into the Bible and show you where the demons fell down and worshipped him and called him who he was. They knew him. Now, people... You say, how well disguised was Jesus? Here's how well he was. When you read through the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't you notice that the disciples just really regard him? He's, I mean, they regard him as a prophet. They understand he had miracle-working powers. They understood he could. But really, he was, he was a man. And it took special events to happen for them to even question that, that he was a man. People want to make Jesus a very handsome, you know, specially dignified man. But the Bible it seems saying Isaiah 53, there's no beauty that we should desire him. I don't believe Jesus was attractive to look upon. I think he was not attractive to look upon. That would make even more disguise because people want to think their leader is going to be really good looking and handsome and debonair and, you know, built like a leader and all that other stuff. I just think God came in a different way. He came where they, they wouldn't even think it was him. Thirdly, he had supernatural power. Of course, that's big. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God, as deity. In the New Testament, there are 34 recorded miracles, but many, many, many more miracles were done than that. We know that from the Bible. I'll give you a verse on that in a minute. He controlled nature. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He hearing to the deaf, made food. Out of a few fish and a few pieces of bread, walked on the water, transported. They were immediately at the shore. That's transport. That's being transported. That's a little Star Trek talk for you. 
the astronomers want to say when we talk about Jesus coming back and we, we say that God is in the third heaven. That's the heaven beyond the telescope. And they say, not possible. Too many light years. It'd take 100 million light years to get from the edge of, the, edge of what we see to here. They don't understand God's power to break time and space. He made all those rules. He made all those rules. He can break them. He passed through walls. He appeared in their midst. Angels, by the way, have some of the same ability to appear, disappear, etc. Commanded demons. Man, when the demons, Gadarene Maniac, when he saw him, it came, you know, and nobody passed through that area where Gadarene Maniac was because he'd, he'd kill him. He'd hurt him. He was violent. One of the, you say, how do I know if somebody's demon possessed? Well, you may not for sure know, but one thing you're going to know is they're going to have violence associated with them. Demonic activity has violence associated with it. Hamas and what they did to those people was a demonic thing. It wasn't normal. Even the world saying, that's not, we're, we're, Israel's saying, we're fighting to save civilization. We're not just fighting to save our, our own skin. These people are not even human. People don't do that. And I say, amen, the devil does, however, do that. And that's a demonic characteristic. <clears throat> He's sinless. His sinlessness attests to his deity. Uh, you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Which of you convicted me of sin, Jesus said, if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? <laughs> for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I couldn't quote that for the life of me the other day. Bothers me. And the fifth thing we find about the deity of Christ is atonement attests to his deity that he could atone for our sins. But we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That is, every man that will. I believe Jesus did taste death for every man, but not every man will accept it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's the clearest place in the whole New Testament, right there. And the, you look the word God up, it's theos. Theos is used all the way through the Bible where God this, God that. It's theos. He used the same word. Theos was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed up in the world, received, believed in the world, and received up into glory. Talking about Jesus there. His atonement. I, want, I think I got one more verse on that. No, I don't. Later on, I will. His resurrection attests to his deity. He declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection of the dead. Romans 1.4. Jesus said unto her, Mary and Martha, you know, Lazarus, her brother, died, and they came to him and asked him, well, we know he's going to be raised someday down the road. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm the resurrection. It's one of my favorite places of the Bible. I'm the resurrection and the life. Wherever Jesus went, death had no power. Why? He was the resurrection and the life. He that believes in him, should, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and his resurrection renewed me. In fact, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you cannot be saved. You cannot be saved. Read the 
chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, read it slow, read it careful, and make sure you know what it says. The seventh thing about his deity in the Bible, we see his words attested to his deity. Remember, these are just mountaintop. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Who could say that? Who could say that? Nobody would be able to say that except God and have it to be true. I mean, anybody can say it, but that doesn't mean it's going to be true. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words, not word, but words, and this adulterous detail, the Bible's, I don't have a doubt at all that God can preserve the word of God. Easy for him to do that. He created everything. He created atoms. He created the molecules. He can preserve the Bible and keep it from corruption. And he has. And it says that, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed. Early on when I was saved, I read that and said, Man, I don't want, to be, I don't want him to be ashamed of me someday. How about you? So I decided I was going to stand up for him. I was going to speak out for him when I got in a group of people. And, and, or when I got around folks, I was going to try to bring his subject up. When he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels, speaks of his deity. His words speak or attest to his deity. Uh, number eight, Jesus does only things God could do. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Well, that's putting them together there. He said, believe in God, believe in me. Now, that breaks Ten Commandments straight up and down. No Jew would do that. In my Father's house are many mansions, but we're not so. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Not the Father goes to prepare a place for you. I got the power to prepare a place for you. And he's talking to anybody and everybody who believes. That's a lot of people. Down through the ages. Who can do that but God? He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Who could say... Who could say they were going to come again unless they were God Almighty that could have power over death and, and hell and the grave, and he had power to overcome that. Only God can do that. And I receive you unto myself, and where I am there you may be also. Who could, who could guarantee that, remember, he's just a carpenter's son, unknown, nobody, no formal education, in a little country that really was conquered by the Romans. It wasn't even their own country. Who could do that but God and have it to be true? Jesus does things only God could do. He says things only God would be able to say and have them to be true. And that's all through the New Testament. Philip said unto him, Lord, and this is that same chapter there, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Okay. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you and yet hast thou not known me? Now, Philip didn't say, show us yourself. He said, show us the Father. The subject is the Father. We're talking Jews. You understand, they believe in one God. Big, it was big with them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. That's Deuteronomy 6.4. They got that on sides of their door. A little piece of scroll usually on the side of their door. Philip he says, Hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. Thou mayest, and how thou sayest, show us the Father. Now, if I had time now, you could couple that with Hebrews chapter 1, where he is the express image of the Father. You read Hebrews 1, it's phenomenal. 
It complements that, what he said there. Number nine, positions only God could have. John 1, 1 through 3, only God could do this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Most of you know this verse or have heard this many times. The same was in the beginning with God. All things, how many things? The yellow is me, okay? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. Anything made that was made. Anything made. It was made. Angels were made by him. Hell was made by him. All the creatures made by him. Everything that ever exists was made by him. That's because he's God manifest in the flesh, his position. And then lastly here is characteristics of deity. Um, Jesus came and spake unto them and says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's characteristic of deity. I'm the omnipotence. Big word for meaning all-powerful. If you, if you study the Bible, you, re, you realize God has specific characteristics that become attributes. And these attributes of God in the Old Testament are the same attributes that Jesus declared himself to have in the New Testament. So if the, if the words of the Old Testament and, the, and Jesus in the New Testament said he had the same one, then your conclusion would have been he, he must be the same person. It's been said that Jesus is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's been 2,000 some odd years. No, not quite. Not quite 2,000. We're a little short of 2,000 from... from uh, from 32 A.D. I think Jesus died April 6th, 32 A.D. Some people may disagree on that date, but that's the date I've settled on. And so we're not, we're at 23, so we're, we're almost, we're almost 2,000 years right on a button from his, his, his resurrection and death. And so he says he's going to be with us to everybody. He's us to you young people in this room. Well, hold on with you all the way. How, who could do that but God? Who could say that but God? What kind of characteristic is that? Omnipotence. Another one is omnipresence. And no man has sent it up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You mean you're in one, one place? Yes, omnipresence. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and I will come to him and make our abode with him. How do you know who those people are? You have to have omniscience, all-knowing. Now, now, are we sure that thou knowest all things? These are the people that were closest to him. And needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Eyewitness account. Omniscience. Thou knowest all things. They were saying, we believe you are omniscient, which is an attribute of Jehovah God, we believe Jesus, you got that same attribute. Big. Big. Statements by those close to Christ. And we're about done. And Thomas answered and said unto him, and many of you know the story of Thomas. Don't, don't call him Doubting Thomas. He, he just wanted the same proof everybody else had. All the, rest of the, all the rest of the apostles had seen Jesus, touched Jesus, been with Jesus, eaten with Jesus. Thomas somehow was always somewhere else. And he missed it. And basically, the apostles were going to be asked to lay their lives down for his namesake. And they got, because of that, they got great attestation to who Jesus was. Think about it. 
They got to be with him, hear his teaching, touch him, see his resurrected body, eat with him after the resurrection. And so all of that they needed so that when it came time to die for him, they'd be willing to die for him and able to die for him. And, and he was not, God was not slack in giving them testimony of who he was. And after Jesus said, look, if you don't doubt, put your hand in my side, put your hand in my holes of my hands, and be not faithless but believing, he said, this is a Jew. My Lord, my God. No Jew would do that. Unless they believed who they were standing before was God. That'd be humbling, wouldn't it? Whose are the fathers of whom concerning the flesh came, who was over all, and God blessed forever? There is a statement of who was over all, speaking of Christ, which none of the princes of this world. Another one in here in 1 Corinthians 2.8. This is one of my favorite passages. I do not believe, and I don't know, maybe preacher, you may disagree with me on this, but I doubt it because you're a reasonable guy. But when the devil crucified Christ, he thought he was beating him. I believe he thought he was beating him. Says here, which none of the princes of this princes of this world. Who are the princes of this world? Well, you could say that means people, or you could say that means principalities and powers and thrones and dominions. Spiritual wickedness for Ephesians chapter six, ten through eighteen, spiritual weaknesses in high places. And none of those none of those spiritual wickedness knew what they were doing when they crucified Christ. For had they known it, they would not have crucified. And who did they crucify? The Lord of glory. That's a powerful. That is a little bit of an insight into the devil's side of the deal. I think they were having a spell, picking his beard out and spitting on him and black, you know, hitting him, blackening his eye and and. Uh, mocking him and stripping his clothes off and leading him up on his cross and taking his joint, taking his, his arms out of joint and, and nailing through his feet and his hands and putting him up and letting the cross drop into the hole. I think the devil was having a blast. I think he was having a party. The demons of hell were excited. We are winning! Reminds me of the guy in the Iraq war that they had, they had uh, up there on TV. And I don't know if you remember that old boy. He'd get under and he goes, he, there'd be smoke rising up behind him where we were bombing him, and they say he would say, "We we are winning, we are winning." Did anybody remember that guy? He became famous. He became famous. He was like, "We are we are winning, we are winning." He wasn't winning. He was losing. <laughs> the devil, the devil thinks he was winning, but he was losing, and he lost. Speaking of Christ here in Colossians, and you quoted this tonight right on, right on the bat, he was before. How many things? How many things? All. And by him, all things hold together, consist. The little bit I know about the atom is there are certain bodies within the atom that, that should repel each other, and the atom should actually fall apart. But there's a power they don't understand that holds that atom together. Now, uh, well, I can't remember the guy's name in, in the 40s came up with, a, with the ability to split that atom. They, they bombard that atom with, with other uranium somehow or another, and it opens up them atoms. And the power within that little atom, which is way smaller than you can see and more smaller than a microscope, 
comes out of the material. Now, it doesn't take a lot of material to make an atomic bomb. You can have a material like this. But if you can get the atoms in this amount of material to come release their power, it's white hot. White hot. Makes a sun, a little sun. He holds all that together. When they did, I read about when they were doing the atomics experiments. You know what they were afraid of when they were doing all that atomic, early on when they were in the 50s, when they were, I believe it was early 50s, they were doing the atomic bomb. Then they did the hydrogen bomb. When they went to the hydrogen bomb, which is much stronger than the atomic bomb, the biggest thing they were afraid of, that they would start a reaction and it would never be able to be stopped. That in essence, they would start a reaction where the atoms were releasing their energy and it would just continue and envelop the whole world and destroy the whole world. That was their, one of their big, big concerns. Russia, which up to this moment in history, Russia has exploded the largest bomb ever exploded, atomic bomb. It was a czar bomb, it was called. It was massive bomb. And the the, uh, the, uh, the politicians of Russia asked for a hunger, a hundred, I think it was a hundred, well, let's just take a number. It was a hundred. I don't know what they, what term after that they use, but they wanted a hundred, maybe it was megatons. And the scientists said, we're not going to do a hundred megatons. We're afraid to do a hundred megatons, but they didn't tell them. They just did 50 megatons, but the 50 or whatever it was, the 50 number was the largest ever exploded on earth. And they got, you can go to YouTube and watch it tonight. When you go home, watch the explosion. It was massive. And it was only half of what they wanted. But the scientists I put the brakes on that and says, we may start a reaction we can't stop. But I think God's got it under control. It'll, by the way, how's the earth going to be destroyed? The Bible says the elements shall burn with fervent heat. God's going to just destroy the world once but water. But the next time he's going to destroy it, it's going to be he's going to release the power that he's held together. Water is hydrogen. Oxygen, they burn well. And he's going to release the power of all that, and the whole thing, the ball is going to be nothing but a ball of fire, a sun. It's going to cleanse it of all that it's been infected with, and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And if you've trusted Christ and are leaning on him to forgive you of all your sins, you get to be there. You get to be there. Beautiful. Which at times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's, of course, speaking of Christ, right? Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and by whom he also made the worlds. The worlds did not evolve. The Bible, over and over, all through the Bible, says they were made. And, and, they were, and the Bible tells you how they were made. He spoke, it happened. Now we're going to have Grady McMurtry here in January, and I hope you go out there and recruit, recruit, recruit people to come that don't believe that. Because he's going to do, the, on Sunday I'm having him do the young earth. I'm having him do why climate change is not true. Oh, that's a good one. And he's going to do a couple other things that we're going to raise the hair of some folks. But anyways, uh, you're going to enjoy it. I believe we're going to enjoy old Grady. And Grady don't just stand up there and, and he, he's a smart man. Too smart for his own good, really. But he's, you, you'll enjoy him. Grady McMurtry.
And in John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. He's saying that to you tonight and everybody listening here tonight over the web. Maybe there. If you do not believe that I am, the he is added. If you look at your King James Bible, when they added a word for understanding, they put it in italics. And you know what italics is where they lean a word over a little bit? And they, 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 in many of these places where he said, I am, and the Bible said, I am he, it actually means I am. Now, there's a reason I'm saying this, because it's important. You should die in your sins. Ultimately, you have to believe he's God to be saved. Now, that's who he is. Otherwise, you're denying what he says he is. Jesus said, and verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, there's no he there. But nevertheless, from what I understood when I've talked to the people that were masters of language, they said, when you come across, if you believe not that I am he, it really means if you believe not that I am, you should die in your sins. But I am he is fine. I am he means who? The I am. When Moses was going to be sent to, uh, to Egypt, and he says, how in the world, what am I going to tell him sending me? I'm going to, the, to the, you know, the greatest power in the world. I'm going to tell him, let these two and a half million people go that are, we're serving you. Well, tell him the I am sent you. And that way the Jews at least believed that he was sent by Jehovah God. They, that was a new name for God, by the way. That goes back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, if you want to fact check me. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. This is, this is his second coming. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's it. He's it. He came the first time as a lamb. Wouldn't hurt a soul. Wouldn't break a little reed. But he's coming back with a vesture dipped in blood to take vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you miss the mercy, you're going not, you will not miss the vengeance, the wrath of God that's going to get to be poured out upon this whole world and the people of this world. That's it. Nice flower, huh? I like that. Father in heaven, thank you today. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this time of season that we can go out and encourage people to think about Jesus. May you come with your conviction and your power of conviction. May the old Holy Spirit of God, you don't let us rest. Help us to do the right thing. Don't let us sleep at night if we're not doing the right thing. Get us up. Wake us up. Help us to do the right thing in this few moments of this thing called life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.